0: This morning, as we're getting into our strange series of messages, uh, continuing on week two of this series, a strange series of messages. Uh, And the idea behind this, as Marvin mentioned, is the idea that as followers of Christ, we are often called out and maybe seen as strange people in the world. may be seen as different. When you, you probably feel this, if if you're a follower of Jesus, that at times maybe someone looks at you, or maybe someone, uh, you tell someone about the way you live, and they say, that's strange. Why do you do that? Why do you think that way? Why do you act that way? There's a strangeness about following Jesus. And last week, we talked about being strange citizens in the world, and the fact that when we follow Jesus, it may cause us to hold views or care about things that people that don't follow Jesus may not care about as much. And it may cause us to not compromise on issues that people that don't follow Jesus may not think is a big deal. But we're called out to be strange citizens you know, just to bring a little bit, backtrack a little bit on last week's message, one of the things we talked about was gambling and the effects on the poor, and so uh, this past week they voted on the casino bill, and uh, many of you uh, know the results of that, That's 60-40, the uh, citizens that voted in the Commonwealth, voted to have casinos in our, in our state, in our Commonwealth. And that was the decision that was made. And so, you know, you, you say, well, Pastor Rick, you were you know, preaching last week about all the dangers of this. Is the world going to fall apart or whatever? You know, that's not what I think. Uh, you know, but what I do think, you know, is now as the church, you know, this is the society and the world that we live in. And so as strange people... We say, okay, this is the decision that was made. I don't think the world's going to end or the state's going to come to an end or anything like that. I do think there's going to be problems that'll come that if we didn't have them. And so as the church, we say, we're committed to being there. We'll, we'll be committed to help. We'll be committed to loving people that may experience uh, the negative consequences. We'll be committed to caring for families. And, and that's what we do and that's who we are. That may be strange, but that's what we do and that's who we are. Uh, And this morning, I want to continue in our strange series and talk about strange men. I realize it's not only men that are here this morning. Uh, I figured I might have a majority of men here this morning uh, with many of the ladies on retreat. But I want to talk about strange men this morning. Uh, And in a few weeks, I'm going to talk about strange women, and so the men are going to be here for that, ladies, so fair is fair. Um, But uh, I'm going to talk about strange men. It's a strange topic. It's a strange title for a series or for a message. uh, But I think God has called men out at times to be uh, different, to be countercultural, to be unconventional in the world that we live in. Uh, Someone after last week's message gave me a quote that I wish I had before it, but I'll share it with you this morning. It's a quote by David Wells. David Wells says this, worldliness is what makes sin look normal in any age and righteousness seem odd. Worldliness is what makes sin look normal in any age and righteousness seem odd. And that's what we're talking about, that following Jesus in a world that's progressively and even more not following Jesus and going away from God in many ways is going to look odd. It's going to look strange. But that's the life that God calls us to. And so talking this morning about strange men, I want to start by showing you a short video clip if I can and uh, to get us talking on this topic. Uh, Many of you may have seen the Cosby show in in the 1980s. There's one clip that I think really fits well with starting us this morning. Watch this you are rough. No, I am not that rough, honey. Well, what are Well, the way I see it is, I'm, I'm like Old Yeller.
1: <laughs>
0: you know that movie Old Yeller, where, where the dog protected the home? It's my job to protect the home. So I have to bark. <coughs> now, boys come by the house, and I bark. Pretty soon, boys come by and they say, "Old Yellow lives up there." <laughs> and all I'm saying is that some good ones come by and some bad ones come by. That's who I am, Old Yellow. That's my job. <laughs>
1: Except you know at the end of that movie, they shot Old Yellow.
0: So. <laughs> Old Yeller, this, this, I love this clip. So what, uh, what he's talking about there is, you know, uh, one of their daughters was bringing their boyfriends by and he would always have comments about the boyfriends and, you know, they're just saying, why can't you just be a little easier? Why can't you go a little easier on their boyfriends? You know, you make it so difficult. And so he gives up this illustration. I'm like, old Yeller, you know, like this dog, some of you read the story, you know, like a warning, like a watchdog uh, per se. And so how many old yellers do we have here this morning that are yeah that aren't haven't been shot out behind the house right pre pre the end of the book um, but I want to talk to you this morning about and especially to men about this idea of being watchful uh, I know in your bulletin it says 1 Peter. I'm going to talk a little bit, uh, mention those verses a little later, but I really want to focus on one particular verse this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. The apostle Paul, in this passage, writing to the church at Corinth, has given him some advice right before he closes his letter. And he says these words. He says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, Act like men, be strong. And I thought if there's any verse in the Bible that really speaks to men, it's hard to find one that maybe uh, would be more appropriate than that with all the imperatives and all the the strength that that verse contains. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. And I really want to key in just on those first two words of verse 13, This idea of be watchful. This idea that uh, uh, Bill Cosby brings up in this old yeller mentality. Be watchful. I think strange men keep watch. Strange men that follow Jesus keep watch out for themselves and for others. Strange men keep watch out for themselves and their lives and for those around them that they care about. I think we live in a world, though, where many men aren't keeping watch. In fact, I think we live in a world, just to use one analogy, where many men don't even watch where they're going. You know, I mean, how many times, and it's not just men, I know, but how many times do you walk down the street and you, you see someone, or maybe you're doing it yourself, and you're just focused in on your little digital world and not looking around you, and we don't even watch where we're going. Or maybe you're driving your car, and you look around you to you see the other person. You know, you look in your rearview mirror, and their eyes are down, and you know exactly what they're doing. They're not watching where they're going. We live in a world where many men I believe, aren't keeping watch, not watching where they're going, not watching what's going on around them for one reason or another. Men sometimes are content to just let others keep watch at times. There's things in their lives or things maybe in your life that uh, have come up as a man that keep you from keeping watch, but there's an importance on being able to stay alert and keep alert to what's going on around us. There's a danger when we let down our guard and stop watching. You know, this idea of old yeller brings, brings to mind the idea of a watchdog, right? And a watchdog has a, has a very particular purpose, to watch out for danger, to watch out for those who might come and do harm. And if a watchdog doesn't do that, and you just stand there, the watchdog just stands there and lets the intruder walk by, then the watchdog's not very helpful. And I wonder if at times men... We don't have ourselves in a situation where we've stopped keeping watch. You know, in the movies, sometimes, I don't know if this actually works, but I've seen it happen in the movies, so it must, must be true, um, is that, you know, sometimes there'll be a watchdog, and the criminals want to break into a house, so what do they do? steak, right? I heard it, right? They throw the dog a piece of meat, and I don't know if that actually works. I hope it doesn't, if you ever watch it, but that's what they do, right? They throw the dog a piece of meat. The dog's focused on the meat, and then they walk right by into the house, and I don't know if that actually works with a dog, but I think it works with people. I think it works with men at times. I wonder if at times we've been thrown something to distract us We've been thrown something that takes us off course. We've been thrown something that takes us from our job of watching, and we are content with something that's been thrown our way, and it keeps us from keeping watch over ourselves and those around us. What's the piece of meat that somebody has thrown you that keeps you from keeping watch I think that's what happens. I think sometimes men have come to a place where they have been willing to abdicate their role of watching. Sometimes men in our society, in our family, in our world, get caught up and, hey, if I got my little thing that keeps me happy, then that's fine. I'll let someone else keep watch. Look, I'm all for Sharing responsibilities. I think men and women have key roles in our society. I'm all for that. I'm all for um, uh, women uh, ministering and women being in work, and I I think we can share responsibilities and all of that, but I do think one of the one things that men are called to do that we cannot give up is this command to keep watch. Keep watch over yourself. Keep watch if you're married, over your spouse. If you have kids, keep watch over your family. It doesn't matter to me who does the dishes and who does the checkbook. That's not important. You know, that's I I do the laundry. I don't mind doing the laundry. I like doing the laundry, actually. It makes me feel like I'm accomplishing something. It doesn't matter to me. Sometimes I don't feel like I'm accomplishing anything. The laundry just, load of laundry done. My wife continues to tell me, you know it's never done, right? I'm like, don't tell me that. I need to live under this illusion that someday it'll be done. Um, but it doesn't matter to me who does the laundry, who does the checkbook. That's not what, you know, we get so caught up in those little things. Who cares? It doesn't matter to me if you're a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad. That doesn't, you know, those, those divisions of labor in your house, how you do that, how you guys have worked that out if you're married. That's not nearly as important as some of the commands that God has given us to live out. And I think one of them to men is this command to keep watch. And I think some men have maybe advocated the role, and just you know, the, the, let the wife say, "You know what? I just I got my little thing over here. Why don't you do the keep watch thing? Why don't you watch out for our kids? Why don't you watch out for our family? Because I'm busy doing this, whatever that might be." Paul says, "Act like men. Stand, be strong. Be watchful." Our men's prayer ministry here at Mount Hope is called the Watchmen Prayer Ministry. The reason for that, it's taken from uh, the um, words in the prophet Ezekiel where Ezekiel says, be watchmen. And this is the role of the watchmen. They stand on the wall and they watch out for danger. But that's not their only role. They don't just watch out for danger. They sound the alarm when danger is near. Kind of like old Yeller. They gotta sound that alarm when the danger's near. And this is what the Bible says in Ezekiel. You can look at it in chapter uh, 22 if you want. Uh, but this is what it says in Ezekiel. It says, if you are a watchman and you see danger and you sound the alarm and no one does anything about it, well, you're, you're free. You're, you're off the hook. Their blood is on their own hands. You sounded the alarm. You did what you were supposed to do. But it says, if you're a watchman... And you, sound the alarm, and you fail to sound the alarm, you see danger coming, and you don't tell anyone about it, or you don't do anything about it, well, then the blood is on your hands. And so we, as men, are commanded by God to be watchful, watch out for danger, and then to sound an alarm when it comes. And I think many men in our world have abdicated that role and are no longer watching what we're called to, and what is it that keeps you from watching out for you and for your life and for your family. To know what to watch out for, you've got to, I believe, you've gotta be, I think being in church helps, but being in the word of God, you gotta be in that word. You know what we're supposed to be watching out for. The, 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 um, the good watchdog knows how to distinguish between an intruder and a friend. A friend or a foe, right? A good watchdog knows who's safe and who's not safe. And so if you're going to watch out for your family, you've got to know that as well. You've got to be in the word of God. You've got to be in among the people of God, with men of God, to understand and distinguish that. Building your life upon God's word and watching out for those around you. I was reading uh, President Bush's book, um, Decision Points, it was interesting to me because sometimes, you know, as men, we might, we might say, look, I've got so much going on. How can, I, how can I do all this? How can I, you know, find time to read God's word? And I'm trying to keep it all together. And it was interesting as I was reading President Bush, Bush's book, Decision Points, he was talking about September 11th, 2001, and what, he, what that day was like for him before the towers came down and the Pentagon was hit. It was interesting to me just to see kind of how his day went. He was in Sarasota, Florida that day. Many of you know he read to that classroom of kids. He was in the middle of reading to that classroom of kids when he got uh, the affirmative news that America was under attack from Andy Card. And, and, and when he, um... But before that, he says, the day was like any other day. I woke up when it was still dark, and I opened up my Bible, and I read from God's Word. And here it is, the guy who may be, you know, we we have all these reasons for being too busy, all these reasons for too much going on, all this. And and he says, I woke up just like any other day. It was still dark, and I opened up my Bible. I read from God's Word. He took a run, took a shower, was in the office or whatever the office was in Sarasota. was where he was supposed to be by 7 o'clock. But he got uh, into God's Word, and as a man of God, I mean, that's just a reminder to me. There's no, way I'm, there's no way I'm that busy. There's no way you're that busy that we can't have time to find time to get in God's word to realize what we're supposed to be watching for. When it comes to being watchful, I think there are two places we have to watch. The first one is we have to watch those that are outside. Things, we have to watch threats that come externally. Externally. And then we also have to watch for threats that come internally. You know, it's like a ship. If you're on a ship, you can, your threat could come from a missile that's fired at you I'm not getting there yet. Sorry, I made a ship analogy and didn't tell you where I was going. I'll get there in a minute. Uh, if you're on a ship and a myth, you, your threat can come from a missile that comes at you or the threat can come from internally, right? It can come from mutiny. It can come from someone on board who's trying to cause problems and take the boat down and undercut you know, your authority and, and undercut the ship and it can come from internally. And it's the same thing in your life and in my life. The threats and the things you have to be watching out for, some of them come from outside and some of them come from inside. And as a man of God, as a husband, if you're a husband or the leader of your house, if you've got kids, you've got to watch for both. And the first thing you've got to watch for is external threats that might come in. You've got to be on guard for what is going on or coming into yourself, your life, your family. It's too easy to be caught up in all the things that we have to do and all of our responsibilities and kind of hope that everyone is taking care of themselves. What God calls us to do is be watchful. So what does it mean to be watchful from the external threats over your home? If you're a dad, do you know your kids' friends? Do you know? I, I, do, you, do you sit down with them? Do you, do you, have you been able to just talk with them about the people that they hang out with? Do you know what kind of influence is on and in their life? And you say, well, they don't want me hanging around with their friends. They probably don't. But there are ways. Invite them over to your house. Open up your house. Let your house be the place where they can come and hang out. Let your house be the place where, you know, hey, there's plenty of food and there's you're always welcome here. Come on over. So you can get to know your kids, friends. You know the influence that's coming in on their life. In the technological world that we live in, have you talked to your kids or figured out a way to handle technology in your house and in your home? I'm not against TV. I'm not against the internet. I've got all those things in my home. I use all those things every day. I understand that. But we also have to think through how to handle them as watchers over our home and as watchers over the lives around us. You know your kids. You know your kids' friends. So I've got a son who's into, uh, he likes video games. I mean, he just plays little video games on a tablet or on the, on the Wii. Or a, he, he's into video games. He likes playing video games. He enjoys playing video games. I don't enjoy video games. Some of you are gamers. I'm not a gamer. I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not, I never was. I always had like Nintendo or whatever, but it was like, eh, play it for an hour, I'm done, and then I just leave it, and I just never, something that really interested me, but my son is really interested in it, and what I realized was my attitude towards it was putting a distance between him and I in this one aspect at least of his life. I could take it or leave it. In fact, I could really leave it and be like, oh, I could care less, you know, he, he might be telling me and explaining, hey, I did this, this, and I'm like, in my head, I'm going, I'm not listening, I'm not hearing, I don't even know what language you're talking. But something was important to him. And so I've started to try and sit down and say, okay, show me this game you're playing. Uh, let me, How did you do that? What, what are you trying to do there? What are you trying to accomplish? What's going on there? You know, how do you, how do you play it, you know? I, I don't pl- I still don't play them with him, it's just not, I don't know, I don't think he wants me to play them with him. But I sit down beside him and I watch him play And I say, hey, show, me, show me that thing you just did. And how did you do that? And how did you know to do that? And I take an interest in that because, because he takes an interest in it. And I don't want a distance to develop between it because I also want to know what kind of influence is coming in in whatever game he might be playing. Or in our day and age, whatever ad might be popping up on the side of whatever game he's playing. Or whatever other thing is going on in the game that he's playing. I want to know and, and, and to be able to help him understand and process things through a biblical worldview. You know, if there's a, you know, help him think through things like that. Why would I say I would rather you not playing certain games? What is the reasoning for it? Help him think through it from a biblical worldview point of view. What am I watching out for? And bring him into that. So maybe your kids, maybe it's not video games, maybe it's something else, but it's easy sometimes as men to have our thing and say, well, this is our thing, that's his thing, this is my thing, that's her thing, this is my thing. But we put a distance up and we may not be aware of the external threats that may be coming in to the life of people in our home. Sometimes they come in through a relationship or a friend. Sometimes they come in through a screen. Sometimes they come in through the internet. Sometimes we may not be aware of the external threats that are coming in. Then you gotta be aware of external threats in your life, right? I believe the enemy and the devil, one of the reasons Paul tells us to be watchful is because the devil is looking to set you up. The devil's looking to set you up for a trap and he looks to hit you in all kinds of angles. Maybe man, you're at work and you've had a you had a fight with your wife perhaps that morning, and someone at the office compliments you on how well your work is and how and, and how you know how good your work is, and they just love working with you. And how could anyone ever be mad at you? And all of a sudden you find yourself gravitating more towards that person. You've got to be aware of those external threats. All of a sudden, you find yourself walking by her desk when you don't need to walk by her desk. And we, we can deceive ourselves. And you find yourself walking over and thinking in your mind, I wonder what she's wearing today. I wonder if... Or maybe getting dressed in the morning, I wonder if she'll like what I'm wearing today. External threats that are there when the devil's trying to set us up. And we got to be aware. We, sometimes we can walk through life blind and not realize how the devil's setting us up. Got to be aware of those external threats that are coming. You know, you think of the story of Adam and Eve, and I think of that story. I, I think, you know, there's an external threat in the garden, and I always wonder, where was Adam? I mean, maybe he was doing something purposeful and, and something that, 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 that he should have been doing. I, I, you know, it's perfect. The sin hasn't come, so probably he was. But where was Adam when the serpent comes by to tempt Eve? Where was this man? Was he keeping watch? Did he know his wife's friends and the company she was keeping? You know, did he ever say, hey, you know that friend you got? He's kind of a snake. You know, maybe you shouldn't be hanging around with him external threats that come in that we've got to be watchful for and we've got to watch out for those external threats as the enemy tries to set us up at times. How do you, how do you combat them? You know, um, Andy Stanway has a great series we did in our community group a couple years back called Guardrails, and that's just the terminology he uses, it says, you know, you set up guardrails in your life to keep the external threats away, to keep you away from the danger. A guardrail on the highway is put there to keep you, aw- not, not right in the danger zone, it's put there to keep you away from the danger zone. So you set up certain guardrails in your life. Perhaps you put a covenant eyes on your computer and into, into accountability with another, another guy on, on your, uh, online, um, your, your online searches and everything. Or you work with your wife, maybe, and you make covenants with, with your wife. You know, my wife and I, we've got certain ones. You know, I don't, I don't ride in a car with anyone that's alone, that's not my wife, a woman that's not my wife, and that's just what we do. Sometimes it's annoying and sometimes it's inconvenient, but that's just what we've set up. And then sometimes, you know, there's, there's times that come up that you're in an unavoidable situation. A few weeks ago, she, uh, you know, she had something come up where she was unexpectedly at a lunch uh, alone with uh, someone that she works with a guy that she works with she didn't expect it she didn't know it it just it happened to come about and she needed to be there Uh, and it came out some of the information at that lunch she really needed but she texted me on her way there said well didn't expect this but here's you know just in the you know full disclosure I'm going to lunch with so and so and you know I didn't mean that for it to happen but that's what it is and I texted her back said great thanks for letting me know We talk about it that night, but guardrails that you set up to keep the external threats away. The um, one good illustration, I think, of this is that picture you just showed, the Hibernia oil platform. Hibernia oil platform is about 200 miles off the coast of Canada, uh, out in the North Atlantic. And it was built... um, uh, there and, and obviously, what is a very treacherous place of ocean? There's uh, a ton of icebergs. Ton, there's a lot of tons of icebergs <laughs> that uh, that travel through uh, that travel through there in Iceberg Alley, they call it. It's uh, two hundred. It's built in two hundred and sixty-five feet of water, uh, but it's built in a very particular way. As they went very deep down to, um, to uh, ground it and to walk it into the ground, but then also they tied all the posts together and you can see these uh, kind of points that jut out from all around the platform. And those were particularly designed for icebergs. There are 16 of them. And the designers of this have said that it can withstand a million pound iceberg hitting the platform and the platform will survive. Not only that, the designers have said, actually, even if an iceberg as big as 6 million pounds hit it, it would be damaged, but it could be repaired. And so it was built to withstand all of that. But here's the interesting thing. The people that run of this oil platform, keep a 45-kilometer watch all around the platform all the time, every day. And so they're constantly watching all around the platform, and anytime an iceberg looks like it might even be coming close to the platform, they send a boat out or a series of boats out to divert it, to tug it away, to pull it away, to push it away, to make sure that an iceberg never even gets close to the platform. And if one happens to get by that seems to get close, they have hoses and and powerful water hoses on the platform to divert the iceberg away from hitting the platform in any way that there's no chance that one would even hit it. And yet they designed it to withstand an iceberg that only comes along once every 500 years. And the 6 million pound version once every 10,000 years. And yet they won't let one even get near it. And I wonder if as men of God that we take the same vigilance over keeping watch over our lives and our families in that way that, yes, we might be able to withstand it in our family or might be able to withstand it. People we care about might be able to withstand the impact of something, but why even let it get close? Why not keep it at a distance? Why not keep something that seems like an external threat far away? And so you might have things in your life and you say, well, that seems like overkill. You know, not riding in a car maybe perhaps with, a, with someone of the opposite sex. Well, I mean, come on. What's going to happen? Probably nothing. Probably nothing. But why not? Why not just keep it away? Why not just keep the threat away? So there's external threats that we need to be aware of. But then there's also internal threats that I think we need to be careful of. Threats that come from inside. You not only need to watch out, you need to watch within. James says that uh, when anyone is tempted, don't say you're tempted of God because you're tempted when you're drawn away by your own lust and enticed. In other words, you're tempted from the things that are within you. It comes from inside of you. And so there's something inside of us that we need to watch out for as well. We need to watch out for what goes on inside of us as well because inside of us all, there's a place of weakness that the enemy will try and exploit. And are you watching out for that? You as a man, do you know what your place of weakness is? Maybe it's lust. but Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's self-loathing. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's gluttony. I don't know. What's what's your place of weakness? Maybe it's laziness. Slothfulness. What is your place of weakness where the enemy can try and get you at from inside? It's a sneak attack. You don't always see it because it comes from inside. And yet Jesus said... Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so here's a good way to keep a gauge on what's going on inside of you, what's coming out of your mouth. If you hear a word that comes out of your mouth, and you say, where did that come from? The answer is it came from your heart. You have a hurtful word for someone. You say, where did that come from? The real question is, what's going on in my heart? That that word would come out of my mouth. I say something that puts someone down but makes me look good. What's going on in my heart that would cause me to do that? I say a hurtful word just to kind of get get, get back at someone or take a jab at someone. I say, what's going on in my heart? Because that's not what Jesus would do. What's going on in my heart that I might look at those images or pictures? What's going on in my heart that I sent that hurtful uh, message and so we have to be aware of what's going on inside of us. What's going on? Where are the places of, of, of vulnerability inside of you? Where do you need to keep watch over inside of you? What are the things that lead you down a road that is not a healthy road, not one that Jesus would want you on, that's going on inside of you? You know, sometimes that's the attack and that's the... That's the um, That's the avenue I think the enemy takes because we're not watching out for it. Happens in the life of pastors. Maybe we're most familiar with this a lot of times, right? Because a lot of times pastors or people in ministry looks like everything's going great on the outside and all of a sudden there's a moral failure or something goes on and we say, where did that come from? I didn't see that happening because we don't see. All we see is the outside and we say, oh, they look safe from outside attacks but not watching where the inside attack is coming from, and no one is watching over that area at times. There was an instance that's come up uh, recently, a pastor that, uh, not a moral failure, but it's a great example of how the enemy tries to run this kind of end-around sneak attack. Pastor uh, Mark Driscoll, pastors pastor of church in Seattle, Mars Hill Church, fast-growing church, great ministry. Been blessed by his preaching, been blessed by um, his ministry. Some of the sermons that he's preached have been some of the most challenging sermons that I've heard challenged myself, Pastor Brian I know, as pastors and ministers. And not only that, He was a part of this work that happened in the Northwest of bringing evangelical churches to the Northwest, to this area of the country, that before he was doing ministry there and others was labeled the least-churched part of America. Now the Northeast has that designation, but there was a time where the Northwest had that. And Mars Hill isn't the only church there, not the only ministry, but this was probably the most visible one, grew the church to multiple campuses and tens of thousands of people and then a few months ago, you get this, we got this word. I read this article that Mark Driscoll was asked to step down for a few weeks. No moral issue, no no cheating on his wife, no, no external threat that anybody saw. All intents and purposes, they, Mark Driscoll looks like he has a great marriage and great relationship with his wife and all that. Wasn't that? No money that was being, you know, diverted or anything like that. But internal threats—just things came out with, with how he handled and dealt with his staff and with people—and there was a lot of people that he got left in his wake of hurting and not being a very loving shepherd, to put, to put it uh, to put it one way. And so these people just said, you know, we just like Pastor Mark to to step down and take a step back, and and you know, maybe consider the, the, the things and the pain that's been caused rather than ignoring it. And, and so he steps back, and then it gets bigger and bigger, and more things uh, happen. And all of a sudden, the church dissolves. Last week, I, get a, I saw an article that said the church is dissolved. All the churches are breaking up, and there's not going to be, for all intents and purposes, a Mars Hill church in Seattle. And, and, and you look at it, and you say, I, I don't think it's good. I think it's, I think it's a victory for the enemy, honestly. But how did he go at it? He went at it by attacking this pastor from the inside, not from anything anyone saw, maybe pride. I don't know what it would be. I'm not gonna I don't know the label of it, what it was, but something in his life that some people just said he's not, you need to take a break, you need to step back. And there are sometimes in your life men that the enemy is going to try and get at you from the inside and you can hold it together from the outside and everything can look great and everybody thinks life is great for you. But are you watching over what's going on in your heart? Are we watching over the place where the enemy would try and get at? Is it a desire for power or money or position? or I don't know what it is. What has a hold of you that can keep you away from the things in the life that God wants for you, attacks that come up from the inside? And there are things we need to watch out. These things need to serve as warnings for us. They need to serve as warnings for us that we're to watch out for the attacks of the enemy. So so where is it, you know, in your life? Have you thought about that? And so where to be keep watch. Strange men keep watch. They keep watch over themselves, and they keep watch over those that they care about. They watch for threats on the outside, and they watch for threats that come from the inside. And then they pursue Jesus, standing firm in the faith. And you might say, well, that seems like a lot. I've got a lot going on in my life, and now you're putting more on me to do. And there is a great weight that we carry. Let me just watch this short video about this one man talking about the weight that he carries. Maybe this is how you feel.
1: I'm in debt. I have two car payments, four years into a 30-year mortgage, balances on a couple credit cards plus college for three kids on the horizon, zero savings. I work long hours at a job that I hate. And despite all that, All I get is stress about how I can make more money. I take four pills a night for my back pain. Some days, getting up seems like too much. I struggle with dyslexia. I have high cholesterol. I overeat a little too often. I'm trying to get in shape, but it's never, I mean never enough. My dad died five years ago from cancer. I should have seen him more before he passed. Man, I miss him so much. Everyone expects me to be over it, but it's something that I still deal with daily. I haven't taken my wife on a date in four months. I practically forgot our anniversary. My kids need me when I get home, but it's late and I want to sleep. I spend my weekends at their functions as if that's enough. All this and I still resent my family because I have... I'm in debt.
0: We'll see if... It I works have two car time. payments. You think it's going to stop there? All right. Well stop, I'm not sure what happened there. But you get the picture of the video, that it's still not enough. This weight that he carries, and many of you may feel that weight as well. Look, I've got all this going on, Pastor. I'm working one, two jobs, lots of hours or I'm trying to find work or I'm doing everything I can to help get my family through and I'm, you know, I'm doing my best to kind of keep a watch you know, over things but how am I supposed to you know, watch over myself, watch over my family, watch over all this? You know, it becomes more complicated. It becomes just a greater weight for us to carry and it does at times. I, I think the best answer to this is found in the first Peter passage, 1 Peter chapter 5, and it's a verse you're probably familiar with, but maybe not in this context. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says this. It says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And this passage talks about the weight. Anxiety is a weight the weight that you would carry. And maybe as a man, you feel like that weight that you're carrying all the time. And maybe you don't talk about it with anybody. Perhaps you don't talk about it if you're married with your spouse, you don't talk about it with your friends, but you just feel like there's this weight on you. And now you feel like there's an even greater weight. I gotta watch over all this stuff, and if anything happens, it's on me? Is that what you're saying, Pastor? And yet Peter tells us in this passage as he's writing this letter, he says... Cast all your cares, your anxiety on God. In other words, you don't have to carry all the weight. What you need to do is look to Jesus to help you carry your burden. What you need to do, man of God, is not be a superhero. It's not pretend you have all the answers. It's not do everything yourself. What you need to do is go to Jesus and point others there as well. What you need to do is take this burden that you feel, God, I don't feel equipped, adequate, or have everything I need. I feel like I need to watch over myself and to watch over my family. I don't feel like I uh, have all the time. And then it says, I don't feel like I can do that. And God says, that's okay, cast that on me. Don't be anxious about it. Bring that to me. And I will do the caring for you. God will give you the strength to do what you need to do, and he'll do his part in watching over your family and your wife as well. And so this call is to cast our cares upon him. And so as we finish out this morning, I'm going to ask our music ministry to return, and we're going to close out our service in in prayer and worship. But I want to give you an opportunity as a man to close out and have an opportunity to pray about this issue in your life. And to think specifically about where have you been called to keep watch? And where do you need to call upon God to help you to do a better job of keeping watch on your life? External threats, internal threats. Listen, if you're a father and a husband, you're the captain of that ship. You need to make sure everyone gets to the next port as best you can safely with God's help. It's not an easy job, but God's called us to lead. Ravi Zacharias, i use this final illustration, uses this illustration of two captains. One was a captain of a plane, uh, a plane going from Dallas to Toronto, Canada, and while the plane was flying, a small fire broke out on the plane. The pilot had to keep calm on the plane and bring it in for a landing. And he was able to do that. He kept people calm on the plane as much as he could. He brought the plane in for a landing and he brought it down. And when they got to the airstrip, they opened the door to get people out. And as soon as they opened the door to get people out, the oxygen rushed in and set the cabin ablaze. And some people died, a lot of people were hurt, but the captain and the crew, because of their work, they got people out, they, got, they saved many people that wouldn't have otherwise been saved, and the captain was the last person out of the plane, pulled out through a window with his clothes on fire, coming out of that plane, but many people were saved. Ravi Zacharias says, contrast that to the captain of the ferry in South Korea, where hundreds of teenagers died, hundreds of students died in this ferry that went down, but the captain made sure that he got off the ship early and made it to land and was on dry ground and safe. And the idea is that you are called as a man in many ways. It's a heavy weight sometimes to carry, but in many ways to look be the last one off the ship. Keep watch over those in your care. Be watchful. Does it mean we're ultimately responsible for it all? No, God's the one. He's in control. God, our Heavenly Father. You know, He allows people, they make their decisions, and people walk away from God, and people probably walk away from you. But as much as possible, with everyone in your care. Be watchful for those threats that come from the outside and those threats that come from the inside. And protect yourself and those that God put in your care. Maybe it's your family, maybe it's your ministry, maybe it's your community, maybe it's your neighborhood. You as a man of God are called to be strange as you're called to be watchful. And so I'm gonna ask you to stand. And as we close out our service in prayer, I want to just give an opportunity in the next five minutes we're going to worship but maybe you're here as a man and you would say you know I need to be more watchful over myself or I need to be more watchful over my family and in some ways maybe I have abdicated that responsibility to someone else or I've been ignoring it or I just have not taken that responsibility up And you want to this morning ask God to help you to do that. Ask God to give you the strength to do that. To be that one who keeps guard, who's alert, who sees the intruder coming but then also does something about it. Who's careful over what comes in to your life, what comes into your heart and what comes into your family. And I believe God will give you the strength to do that. If God puts you in that role, God created you in that role, God will give you all you need to live up to it and to live that out. God will show you. And that's what you need to ask for. God, show me, open my eyes to the threats that are around me. Open my eyes to the threats that may be on me or my family, on my community. Open my eyes to help me to see that. And so we're going to worship. And as we do, I want to just open up these altars just for a couple minutes. And if you want to come and you want to kneel and ask God to help you to keep watch over the things that he's asked you to keep watch over. To cast that anxiety upon him that you may feel. And just ask him to lead you as a man of God in keeping watch over those things in your life. We'll open these altars up for a few minutes to do that and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Let's worship as we do that this morning.